so um, nation of Israel uh, transfer has taken place from the authority of Moses to Joshua. They've sent the spies in. They were in the home of Rahab the harlot. They received the information that uh, God is already preparing victory for them. Uh, they return to Joshua, and now uh, the plan is afoot. It's not uh, like a lot of military plans and what you might expect. Uh, we'll see what the Lord has in mind as we move forward. It says in Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, then Joshua rose early in the morning. Now, by the way, um, this is Joshua's habit. We see it repeatedly throughout his life. He rises early in the morning. David makes that statement about rising early to greet the Lord, even before sunrise uh, to be with the Lord. Um, there's something I just want to put in your heart and mind, uh, ask you to consider and think about. Um, would you agree that our culture is backwards? Right? I think we would all say, yeah, that's, that's pretty given. Uh, we work to the point of exhaustion and run ourselves ragged. Electricity has helped us with that. You know, stay up, lighting. You know, caffeine has fueled the process also, and we collapse in exhaustion at the end of the day. End of the day. Well, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that when the sun goes down, that's the beginning of the next day. The Jews actually start their day by going to bed. They start in rest. There's a biblical example in that. Uh, consider, right? God creates man on the sixth day. His first day of existence is the day of rest. God begins man's existence in rest and in a relationship with him. There's a strong encouragement throughout the word of God that sometimes is completely overlooked that we need to begin in a restfulness with the Lord. Well, we, we, we reverse the whole thing, and that makes sense, right? Uh, that we've got everything backwards. Uh, have, haven't we figured that out about ourselves, that we've got everything backwards? So consider that Joshua rises early in the morning and that he's probably begun in rest and then starts his day, and they set out from Acacia Grove, which is where they have been encamped, and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. Right? The, the dilemma at the moment is the Jordan River. It's at flood stage. Um, you know, it does dwindle down over the season. They are in a very hot, arid place. And so this could easily be waded at other times of the year. Right now, the Jordan River is swollen huge. The massive snowpack off from Mount Hermon and all of the other precipitation that has happened is melted and is running off and is in the Jordan River at this point. Now, if you've been to Israel and you think, I've seen the Jordan, it's a muddy little creek. I'm not impressed, right? Today, it's controlled by dams. There's a massive amount of Hydro work that's done, irrigation is pumped out of it continuously, so it never reaches the flood stage that it did in this ancient time. It, it, it at times was more than a half mile wide. It would, you know, it snakes through all gentle. It would just flood everything, and the water is moving heavy and very rapid. So the the thought that they're just gonna walk across this thing is absurd at this point. So they've got the two problems, one, the water obstacle, and two, the condition of the water obstacle. It's, it's very unfriendly uh, to the concept that you're not going to take your kids and just wade into this river at that point. If you're going to cross it, there's going to have to be a great deal of effort. Verse 2, so it was after three days, and we see that repeatedly throughout this process with Joshua. Three-day increments, three-day increments, three-day increments. Very reflective of three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus' resurrection, crucifixion, buried, and three days later, God's plan revealed. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, you might want to underline that, of the Lord your God and the priests, and I would encourage you to underline that, okay? If you're thinking, oh, we've seen this many times, actually not, okay? Because 
the priests don't normally carry the ark. Right? If you've studied through this, right, the entire uh, tribe of Levi is in charge of the tabernacle and the ark of the covenant, but right, not all Levites are priests. Uh, you know, all priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. So within this setting, it says that the priests are going to carry the ark. That's very interesting. There's a lot of debate about it, and it's possible that it's a reference to the tribe of Kohath, which normally is the one, the family of Kohath within the tribe of Levi. It's normally the group that carries the ark, but when they carry the ark, they cover it. They put a huge covering of fabric and skin over the thing so you don't actually see the ark. When they're transporting it, it's in its protective shroud, okay? Right now, I suspect that what's going on is the priests are actually carrying the ark, and it's in full display. It is not shrouded. Uh, the change that's happening here is the pillar of cloud has departed. The pillar of fire is no more. And the ark and the priests are going to be leading the people. And we get some very specific insights as to how this unfolds. Keep in mind, right? Now, we often think of it as a golden box. It is entirely overlaid with gold, uh, but it is a wooden box. Its lid is solid gold. Uh, the Middle Eastern sunlight would make that thing look like it was on fire. Literally, these priests carrying this, this is going to be very radiant for the people to see there in broad daylight in this way. So visual display, priests carrying probably uh, the uh, actual priests of the temple carrying the ark. When you see that, the Levites bearing it, when you uh, shall set out from the place and go after it. So now you're following the ark, not the pillar, yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. So big distance, right? Uh, 18 inches is a cubit roughly. Uh, so you're looking at what uh, in this whole process? Thousands of feet between them and the ark. If, if your mind goes to a concept of Keep your distance from God. That's really not what's being presented here. It's the idea that there are millions of people, and we'll discuss this. At a minimum, there, there are more than 2 million people in the nation of Israel at this moment. Okay, There's probably closer to 8 million people. To say 2 million is very conservative. The numbering that's done earlier, the children that are involved. This is a massive group of people that's moving if there's a group that's huddled right up around the ark it's going to shroud the ark from everyone else's view the lord wants it to be that it moves out right and, and that there are thousands of feet between the ark and the nation of israel so that everyone in the nation can get a visual line of sight on that's the ark it's moving we need to go in that direction and follow it so so it's more spiritually the concept of everyone gets equal access to god's leading does that make sense for us this morning right it's not that some people are closer to god and some people need to keep their distance it's a matter of everybody gets equal guidance from the Lord's presence is sort of what's being said here. So uh, they take up the ark uh, and begin to move. Uh, yet you shall, there shall be a space between you. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. This is brand new to you. Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders amongst you. Uh, this is 
an interesting presentation that the Lord does, right? You, you might think that the Lord would say, like, you know, all of the men need to head over to sword practice. You know, we need everybody down at the archer's field by, you know, sunrise tomorrow morning. If you, if you haven't had hand-to-hand combat classes yet, please sign up. You know, they're, they're going into war. And the Lord says, sanctify yourself. Okay, now, now the idea of sanctification, it, it is the idea of purifying. It's, it's the things that need to be done away with. Things creep in, don't they? Right? We, we allow a little bit of compromise in a certain area, whatever it may be. Yours is maybe different than mine. And, and as you allow the little thing in, well, the little thing demands more attention. And once it's gained a bigger footprint, it says, well, this is here. So what's the big deal about introducing something else? The New Testament warns us how sin is like yeast. You introduce a little bit and it permeates the whole lump, right? It will work its way through everything. Uh, So periodically the Lord calls us to sanctify ourselves, to examine ourselves and remove things uh, that don't belong. You're about to enter into the promised land. You're about to enter in to some of the first battles and conflicts, uh, the method of preparation is sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders amongst you. When, then when Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Now some interesting things transpire as we see these priests proceed forward in that situation uh the water is going to recede away from them and we'll talk about the specifics there but i just want to remind us all right Uh, it is a massive box that is overlaid with gold the lid is solid gold uh, based upon the measurements of design that were given in the book of leviticus and otherwise you're looking at the lid weighing more than 700 pounds Uh, It's not a flotation device, as I often say. So as you're headed into the Jordan River at flood stage, right, you might be thinking like boat, barge, instead, want you to just head into the water. Now, hear me in this, right? Uh, The picture we're given, leave Egypt, that's our sin, bondage, slavery, Cruel masters ruling over us. Uh, Baptism in the Red Sea, God clears the way. Everything just moves out of the way. Everyone crosses over together the same way, and it's dry ground. Uh, Here, the priests lead the way. So take up the article of worship. Even God's word is housed inside the Ark of the Covenant, right? Symbols of his provision. Bear that upon your shoulders and wade in. So it's not a matter of, I'm going to just move everything out of the way and you're going to see that. And that's the way we would like it to be, right? And, And if we've had that experience with the Lord in the past, where I was a slave to sin and Christ delivered me and he just moved everything out of the way and he provided everything for me and it was absolutely wonderful and now I need to do it again. Maybe the Lord is saying to you, sanctify yourself and put the article of worship upon your shoulders and wade into what I've called you to. And I will move the things out of the way as you move forward. That's not comfortable for us, right? Especially when it seems like there's life-threatening prospects ahead of us, right? We'd almost rather endure it. You know what? I will turn around and I will head back to the Red Sea right now. Rather than face things that are uncertain, face things that seem dangerous, unpredictable. We, We like to see all the way to the end, right? When you're standing on one side of the Red Sea and you can look across and see all the water's gone. This is a beautiful thing. 
then you, even though it's dangerous, right, you can see there's clear passage here. I'm going to go all the way across. The Lord is saying to this group now, you're not going to even see my provision. You need to just wade in. That's life in the spirit, as we've talked about, trusting the Lord in these circumstances. So I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant, cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Verse 7, the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priest to bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So I'm going to give you the command and walk into the water, and then take your place in the water is what he's telling these people to do as they obey the Lord. The two things within this, one, that progressive development that the Lord does. Secondly, this is going to establish Joshua in the leadership of these people. Look, as a pastor, it's uh, difficult for me to teach through these things because so much of it speaks to my role as a pastor within a church. You know, we as a congregation traveling together, following the Lord, sometimes we move into ministry opportunities. And I'm saying to everybody that's involved, this is what I've heard from the Lord. Let's move forward. And everybody in the flock is saying like, well, explain how it's all going to turn out. And I have to say, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I know what the Lord has told us to do together, so let's move forward into this. Listen, if the grumbling starts at that point, it derails the whole process. Okay, That's what happened when they came to the promised land the first time, sending the 12 spies, right? Ten of them come back and say, we are going to get defeated. And everybody listens to that, and everybody's heart is broken, and no one believes, and the whole process is crushed. If you will trust what the Lord is doing and move forward, and here's the thing. Joshua, these people don't know if they can trust Joshua. They've known that they can trust Moses. They didn't know that at the beginning. God proved Moses. Now God has taken Joshua and saying, this is the guy that we're going to follow. And as Joshua moves forward, he's as much trusting God as Moses was. And in the process, God is proving himself out. And in that, Joshua's leadership is being proved out. He's following the Lord so the people can follow him in similar manner. Verse 9, so Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. Okay, listen. The scholars, if we want to call them that, uh, Find all kinds of ways to dismiss God and the miraculous from these passages. They want to point to two occasions at least, one in the 19, early 1900s and another uh, 1300 BC where earthquakes occurred and it was documented that the Jordan River stopped flowing Right, No more water proceeded down through the Jordan. The water that was present in the Jordan flowed away, and the river went dry for a period of time. Earthquakes occurred. The ground opened up. The water flowed underground. And as a result, everything from that point forward flowed down through the river, and the river went dry. That has happened twice in history. That's not what's being described here. What's being described here is that right where the priests go into the water, 
the water is going to flow away from them, continuing onward, and the water from above will begin to stand up in a heap. Pile up right there, visibly for everyone to see. You sit there now and say, impossible. Well, right. Right? Rewind to the very first verse in this book. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you can't get past verse 1, then you're never going to buy this. Right? This is the miraculous work of God. And if we approach the word of God and we're always trying to find some natural human explanation to things, then this will be impossible. I can tell you, you'll cripple yourself spiritually if that's your approach to the word of God. I have seen miracles in my life, okay? This morning I described to you my granddaughter and what's going on in California. <clears throat> so obviously this great problem begins and we begin to pray as a family and as a church. In the midst of it, many of you know Kevin Russell. Kevin's led worship here a handful of times recently. I've known Kevin for, I don't even know, something like 12 years. Kevin takes me aside and says, hey, this thing going on with your granddaughter that I've been praying about, uh, uh, my sister is a patient's advocate in the medical community. She's in southern Indiana. Could I put her in contact with your daughter? She might be able to help. Uh, Kyle and Christian, my daughter, call one another and have lengthy conversations. Kyle is saying, uh, what's going on with your granddaughter is completely incorrect. And what you need to do is take this step and call this doctor in this hospital and this medication. And, this, and before it's done, she's gone from Marietta, where she lives, up to Rayner Hospital, which is a pediatric hospital. And there's now a team of nine pediatric kidney doctors working on my granddaughter. That's why we have the answers that we do today. Miraculous, right? I mean, the, what are the odds that the Lord would put us all together that way? Right? Uh, there was a period of time uh, where Kevin was working in other ministries and he was not here. He's now back here with us. And that conversation takes place. Sometimes the miracles seem ordinary. They seem natural. But you just got to look a little deeper and you discover the hand of God working in your midst. The way that he cares for us. So uh, the miracles continue on here. It's going to stand up as a heap. Verse 14, so it was, when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away to Adam, right? All the way uh, north of this, they, they have this massive amount of water that just continues to pile up and spread out. And there is something to examine in this that the head source of this is Adam, right? There's something to examine there. The city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Araba, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Something to think about, right? Jericho can see this. They're witnessing this take place, right? They're preparing for battle. They're preparing for war. They're scared to death already. We've already gotten that confession from Rahab, right? They see them amassing. They're probably taking their archery classes, practicing some Krav Maga, you know, working on their swordsmanship. And then the water just stops. And they are out of their minds. This is so disheartening to them to see this. Listen, several victories have occurred 
in our circumstances recently. You know, mandates being lifted, things being reversed, changes taking place, and the enemy of freedom right now is really upset. So consider where are you in the sanctifying yourself process? What it is, are you not seeing, right, all these things we've talked about? Uh, you know, you look around and can see the Lord's return is soon. The word of God is being fulfilled in front of your eyes. You know, go back to 9-11. The twin towers fall. The church is full. You know, honestly, I talked to people that came to church just to see if the Christians were still around. They had been raised in and around the faith, and they were concerned. Did I miss the rapture? Did I, you know, say, like, is it, uh, they recognized the sign as being something of the end. Uh, talk to people right now and, and see if they don't immediately move towards the discussion of where are we in time? What are the things that are going on? We have prime opportunities to talk to people. Here, these people inside Jericho are witnessing God's hand work against them. And it's difficult for them to handle here in the moment. The priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground. On dry ground. Right? Now, if you haven't got this, until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. All the people cross over the Jordan. Right? <clears throat> the entire population of the state of Maine, 1.3 million people, slightly more, depending on whose calculations you listen to. You're going to cross them over the Jordan River in this way. If it's going to happen in a single day, uh, 2.8 million people, you're talking about a column of people that's more than 5,000 people wide. 5,000 people wide crossing all day. Imagine what that looks like to the people in Jericho. This massive wall. 5,000 people don't have that in mind. right? How many of you guys have been to the Cross Insurance Center in Bangor? Right? Been inside that place? Seen that? No? You see how big the, the building is outside? The seating capacity inside that building is 6,500 people. If you've been in there at a concert, you've seen that whole... You know, horseshoe filled and the floor filled. That's 6,500 people. So 5,000 people wide. The, the river fades away and they drop down in. And all day long, that column is just crossing over. Like a massive wall of ants just coming up to see you in your city. They're preparing themselves to assault the city of Jericho, not as Jericho expects. Verse 1 of chapter 4, It came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe. Sound familiar? We just read something, right, like this. And command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan." from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Take 12 stones from the embankment, walk down into the river, where the priests are standing, deposit those and build you know, a can, build, build a tower there. And then where they're standing, take 12 stones out of the river and carry them up out of the river and where you encamp tonight, Build another monument there. Listen, hear me in this. Very often God brings us to milestones, as we call them, in our lives. Right? I haven't been to church in years, and now I'm back in church. Who would have ever thought I was there? Build a milestone right there. You, you, don't, you don't want to cross a moment like that and not put a marker in your life for the change that has taken place. You need to remember that moment. It needs to be memorialized in your thinking, in your life. 
you know, the places and the things and the people that you are around when the Lord touched you and worked in this way. That's exactly what the Lord is commanding these people. And it's so significant. Why? Unfortunately, I have to tell you that we turn the pages and we get to Judges chapter 2 and you find verse 8 through 10 and it tells us that Joshua has passed away and the people have forgotten the Lord. One generation. One generation. And they, they don't have a relationship with the Lord. If you make the assumption like this is just going to continue on. Right? right now, people are arguing, right? This uh, America, I mean, it wasn't a Christian nation. All the Christians try to say that. But this nation was not started as a Christian nation. Well, they're wrong. Okay? And that's not just my opinion. As the pilgrims came here, uh, I mean, treacherous voyage, spend some time to study a little bit of history, they arrive, you, you would definitely want your first thing to be like, let's get off this boat, let's get settled, let's build homes and get to work. They refuse to leave the boat. And they stay there until they have written what becomes known as the Mayflower Compact. And the Mayflower Compact, I, I'm summarizing grossly, says that their declared purpose in coming here is to worship and serve Jesus Christ as they administer the gospel to the people of this land. And I do mean the true gospel of love and graciousness and salvation, right? Not what the you know new authors of history are rewriting, you know. I'll give you one example. I just saw a thing recently where they're talking about how wicked Christopher Columbus was, right? He makes a statement about in his journal how the people that they have encountered will be good slaves to the master. And everyone today that reads that says, see how wicked Christopher Columbus was, came here to create slaves. The master he's talking about is Jesus Christ. He says that later. The slavery he's talking about is becoming a believer of servitude to Jesus Christ. He's talking about bringing the gospel to them to free them from their sin. He's saying they're appliable people. They want to listen. They learn very well. He talks about how industrious they are and, and how they outshine his own men and their work ethic and their comfort and their, and their care for one another. He, he speaks of them with great admiration. You, know, you, you listen to Howard Zinn in his version of history and he turns all of our founding fathers into something wicked. That's not how it was. That's not how it was. The men and women that came here came here to serve Jesus Christ. We're so far away from that that the young people of our culture don't even know our history. They're being lied to continuously and told something that's completely untrue. Completely untrue. Fabricated. Made up. Our school system is run by a government that it's in opposition to our king, to Jesus Christ. Uh, so here, set up a memorial stone. Why? Because this nation's going to forget what the Lord has done right here. Seems impossible, right? You come to the Jordan River and God dries it up and you know millions of people cross over. Uh, how could you ever forget that? They immediately do. They immediately forget what the Lord has done. So take up these stones, set them up. Uh, you know, one man from every tribe, build this mound of stones. Uh, this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, saying, what, does, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Then it crossed over, then, when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Listen, two things were just stated there in the Hebrew language emphatically. The first was, your children will ask. It isn't if they ask, it's when they ask. 
And then what the Lord said through Joshua right here is, then you must answer. Okay, it isn't if you can answer. It isn't, you know, if it's appropriate, if they're accepting, you know, you don't want to force anything down their throat. It's you must answer properly. Listen, Ken Ham wrote a book a uh, handful of years ago now uh, called Already Gone. And uh, he examines the thought in the church that the young people in the church go away to college and that in college they abandon their faith and they come home to their parents and say, I'm done with Christianity. And everybody points at the college and says, the college has done this. When they ask the children that went away, the young people that went away to college, is that what happened? Is that how that transpired in your life? They said, no, I stopped believing long before I left home. When I went to college, it gave me permission to reject that. Okay? When they questioned them deeply on why did you stop believing before you left home, two things came up. And if you're thinking the hypocrisy of my parents and the hypocrisy of the church, that was actually the second thing. The first reason that they rejected their faith was because that no one taught them why we believe what we believe. That was their confession. I don't believe the Bible because, uh, you know, the story of Noah's flood just seems ridiculous to me. No one explained to them how completely logical it is and how much evidence there is. You know, I'm in school and they're teaching me about dinosaurs and there's no dinosaurs in the Bible. No one tells them, no, there are entire chapters about dinosaurs in the Bible. They don't know that. They're left feeling like no one's explaining the word of God to me. And so therefore, I already don't believe. But they don't want to raise those problems with their parents. They don't want to raise those problems with the church. Once they go away and they find there are other belief systems, then they feel a permission to reject what they've already rejected in their heart. Hence the book, Get It For Yourselves. It's called Already Gone. They were gone before they ever left home. The church is responsible for teaching this to the children. Now listen, listen. If you say, yeah, so you better do a good job, Pastor Will. Notice here that it says that it's the father's responsibility. It's the parents' responsibility. It's the family's responsibility. It's the aunts and uncles. In the home, this needs to be relayed. If you're sitting here right now thinking, I wouldn't know where to begin. Well, then somebody didn't relay it to you. And we're sitting here now studying it. Right? Our method is what we call expositional teaching. Expository. We expound upon it. Right? My pastor has long said it's simple. Read it and explain it. That's what we try to do. Go verse by verse from Genesis to Revelation. Read the word of God and explain it in simple terms so that we can embrace it. So that we're skilled at then imparting it to the ones that the Lord has put in our care. Uh, make sure that you're owning your own responsibility. These men, your children, will ask. When they do ask, you must answer. You must answer. If you're over at your relative's house, and here they are making some critical claim against the scripture, and you're thinking, I'm just going to shut up right now. Then you're failing. I'll just hit you with that bluntly. Because you are supposed to answer. The way it's written here, you must answer them. You must share your faith with them. No? So when you enter eternity and they're going to be separated from God for eternity, and they now have a full realization of God's existence, and you're going into the presence of the Lord, and they're departing eternally from the presence of the Lord, are they going to look at you and say, why didn't you tell me? Billy Graham, right? Most people have a certain degree of respect for him. In addressing this issue, he said, many people ask me 
about that. You know, well, I feel like I'm just going to drive them away from the Lord. Billy asked the question, aren't they already away from the Lord? So what's your concern, Billy says? Are you scared that you're going to scare them into hell number two? They're already separated from the Lord. Right? They, they may somehow take offense with you in the process, but they're going to realize you're not scared to answer. And you've got information to share with them. We need to open our mouths. We, we need to take our memorial stone and say, this is where I crossed the Jordan. This is where I entered into the victorious state of living, conquering the things in my life that were the enemies of Christ. This is where I was set free by my Lord and my Savior. So consider what the Lord might be saying to you when they ask. What do these stones mean? Then you must answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off and the stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel. The children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded, took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan. As the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, laid them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood. There they are to this day. At least when this was written, they are aware of that they were there. It would be interesting to see someday those stones in their place. Verse 10. So the priests who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people hurried and crossed over, and it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over that the ark of the Lord and the priests cross over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben, the men of Gan, half the tribe of Manasseh, cross over armed before the children of Israel, as Moses had spoken to them. Listen to this carefully, all of you. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of Israel, and they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. <clears throat> 40,000, right? Reuben, Gad, half the tribe of Manasseh. And those of you that have studied along know, right? Uh, they had come to the Jordan and said to Moses and thereby the Lord, we don't want to cross the Jordan. We prefer this land. We're herdsmen. We have cattle and sheep. We want to stay here and raise our flocks. We do not want to enter the promises of the Lord. God was very angry with them because he had said, I'm going to cross you over the Jordan. I'm going to divide the land to you. You're going to have inheritance in the land. They said, we don't want to see God's promises fulfilled in our lives. They make the agreement with God under duress that they will cross the Jordan and fight the battles with the nation of Israel. So that Israel can have its territory, but they want to stay in the place that they've chosen for themselves. Listen, the, the veil is pretty thin on that. If God has spoken to us and told us, this is where I want you to be in your relationship with me. And we say, well, I'll engage in everything that you ask me to engage in, but I prefer to stay right here in the place that I've chosen. That's very dangerous. Even the agreement that you may be familiar with, that they would send all the fighting men with them, they've already been numbered. And if you go back, it was 149,000. There were 149,000 men of fighting age. And what did they just send? 40,000. So they're not fulfilling everything that they said to the Lord. And if you're thinking of it like they're shortchanging God, they promised 149,000. Well, how about this? They're shortchanging themselves. All of those people did not cross over on dry land. Have you, have you had that experience in your life? 
where you're around of other a bunch of other believers and they're all going through things with God and experiencing wonderful things with God and you're like, I'm going to stay right here. I don't really feel like taking these steps that these people are saying. And then when they're all exclaiming about, you wouldn't believe the victory the Lord has given me, you have to just sort of keep silent. Because as much as you're attached to it, you weren't part of the experience. There's 149,000 men of fighting age from these tribes that are supposed to be engaged in this conflict, and they're only sending 40,000. Again, you don't see God screaming here about, you promised me all of those people. They're shortchanging themselves. The experiences that the Lord provides us with. You don't want to miss out on that. You don't want to, experience, you don't want to miss out on the fulfillment of his promises in your life. Does this make sense to us this morning? What the Lord is calling us to and all that he promises us. So, Continuing uh, here in this situation, verse 15, the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests saying, Come up from the Jordan. It came to pass when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet touched the dry land outside the riverbed that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. God in his timing. Now, everybody that wants to do this thing about, oh, earthquakes and the ground opened up and the water fell. Yeah, okay, well, let's say that's true. It's not, but let's say it's true. It's still miraculous that God predicted the timing of this. God said that when the priests go in, this is when this is going to happen. So, so that whole attempt to dismiss God with the natural occurrences still doesn't remove God from the scenario. God is in control. Right? I had a friend, Paul Smitherman, years ago, and uh, he was a complete drunk and drug addict. And in the midst of a stupor, uh, he had a preacher come up to him and talk to him about his drug addiction and his alcoholism in Arizona. And uh, Paul was so drunk and out of his mind that he paid little attention to it. But he remembered the, pre the uh, preacher saying, look, I'm going to give you my business card right now. And if you ever want to get your life straightened out, you call me. And I'll do everything I can to help you get out of this mess that you've created for yourself. And Paul told me, just wanting to get rid of the guy, he took his business card and shoved it in his pocket. And uh, it was a long time later, many months later, when Paul was in another drunken stupor, and this is pretty graphic, he staggered out of a bar into an alley thinking, I should probably call that pastor. And uh, in his mind, he thought, but I don't even know where that business card is, so... You know, how would I ever, how would I ever connect with him again? In the midst of it, he stumbled and fell down in the alley next to the bar and passed out. What woke him up was a dog urinating on him. And he thought to himself, I really do need, I need to get a hold of someone like that pastor. And as he's reaching in his pocket looking for a quarter before the days of the cell phone, right? Lo and behold, he pulls out of his pocket that pastor's business card. And he thinks, no way. And now he's saying to himself, well, I've got the number and I've said I need to call him, so I probably ought to. But now I don't have a quarter. So he turns to walk out and he's so drunk that he stumbles and falls down again. And as you can expect, there on the ground as he's pushing himself up is a quarter between his hands. He took the Lord's advice. And he put that quarter in a phone and called that pastor. And the pastor came and picked him up. And that was the beginning 
of the Lord turning his life around, right? You can dismiss all of the things you want to in scenarios such as this and in your own life. But the way the Lord orchestrates circumstances, we would be fools to ignore them. Fools to ignore them. Let the Lord minister to you. Let's round it out. Verse 19. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. They camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua, set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know. Again, you must let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Reverence him, fear him, respect him. Listen, you're going to hear all kinds of people say all kinds of trash that dismisses the word of God. And that's all it is, is trash. You want to talk about creation versus evolution? I'll spend all day with you. You want to look at what God has done throughout history? I'll spend all day with you. The word of God is very clear. The things that the Lord has declared are very clear. And there are always going to be people around us that look at the proverbial pile of stones and they say, that's not what happened here. You need to be of an understanding heart that what God has done historically stands as a monument and we need to let it witness to us. And as it speaks to us, we need to find ourselves in obedience to the God that accomplished those miracles. Amen. Amen. So that's the time we have uh, for this week. We'll pick up with chapter five next week. Will you stand with me and we'll pray. Lord, we are very grateful for your love, your grace, your work in our lives, and we pray that you would help us to obey you. Accomplish the things you want to in our hearts and minds. Help us to be men and women that follow you. That, Like the leading of the ark, we, we, we see your direction and we obey your leading. Give us that spirit that is willing, willing to be obedient that we would see your promises fulfilled in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.